All right, folks, welcome to All Things HEMA. I'm your host, Aaron Pennenberg, and today we are talking about HEMA politics, leadership, inclusivity, and respect. And that's the name of the episode, okay? Obviously, uh, people know there's some stuff going on right now in HEMA politics, and I thought, you know, now is a good time just to get something out there and, and have a voice, maybe, that you can actually hear behind some of these things. And if you're not familiar with this stuff, that's all right. It's still a pretty good topic just to discuss because regardless of how you try to exclude it from your martial arts practice, it will never be absent from any martial arts practice. And the reason why is because in martial arts, you have to deal with other people, right? And when you deal with other people, this stuff is inevitable. So, you know, it is what it is. So if you're somebody who's new to martial arts or HEMA in general, and you're like, oh, I'm never gonna deal with politics because I don't believe in politics, sorry, you will deal with it and you'll probably be unprepared. So it's probably a good idea just to get some sense of it. But anyways, I have actually a panel here. I lured all these people to my apartment under the guise of watching The Mandalorian, which I promise we will, yet here they are. So I'm gonna have them introduce themselves. I'll pass around the mic. Go ahead, we'll start with PJ. Hi, I'm PJ. Uh, I'm a member of the WHFA. I've been in HEMA for two years, and okay. I'll pass the mic. All right, very good. Hi, I'm Dan. I've been in WHFA uh, three years. Uh, I'm also a licensed professional counselor. Nice. Hello, I'm Larry, and I have practiced with the uh, WHFA here in Appleton for a little over three years. I'm Steve. I've been a member of the WHFA for about four and a half years. Very good. Thank you. All right, well, I'll set this up. So what's going on? Well, what's going on is that for some time, and frankly, I don't even know how long, I have been part of the HEMA Alliance, like Grand Council or whatever the hell it's called. I don't even know what it's called. And um, at the time, they were like, hey, just you want to be part of this thing? Uh, you know, you've been out there for a while. We respect your voice. You want to just be a part of this. And I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know because I'm involved in so much stuff. I don't know if I want to be involved in this thing or not. Like how much time is it going to take? And I was sold on the idea because they were like, it's not going to take you that much time. There are a few things from time to time that we vote on, but most of the stuff is voted on by the council that's directly underneath this council in the structure, which is People get elected to that particular body and they vote on like the mechanical things that run the HEMA Alliance. And I'm like, eh, fine. Okay, good. So I'm on that thing. From time to time, there are things that are brought to my attention by email, not by paying attention to the websites or the Facebook pages or anything like that. They email me with these things that say, we got to vote on such and such issue. Usually that was like Richard Marsden or somebody who was doing that. Uh, and they would bring these issues forward and I would read them and think about it and then vote on whatever. So they were, and they were usually like very mundane things that didn't really affect the everyday practice of people in the HEMA Alliance. So I'm like, sure, whatever. Well then, um, what happens recently is somebody emails me and says, um, hey, are you aware that the HEMA Alliance is, um, is promoted on this particular website's page is through this group called Rogue Fencing and what they're what they put as a banner or something and I don't understand how this crap works out you know you guys know me I don't really pay attention to stuff I'm pretty bad with with internet based things and, and computers and whatnot but there's like a banner on the bottom of their page that says essentially like 
no, we have a no cops policy because we don't support white supremacy and bigotry, et cetera, et cetera. Now, um, I, I didn't know that that was on that web page, nor do I really care if it is per se. The only reason I got involved is because somebody brought it to my attention and said, we think it's weird that you as a cop would be part of the Heme Alliance that supports this kind of, this kind of thing. And I'm like, well, I don't know, let me check it out, right? So I check it out, sure enough, that's the thing. I see that banner that says that, and I also see the HEMA Alliance's badge almost like right next to it or above it or something. And I'm like, oh, this is no good. You know, and, and my personal opinion is it's no good because you know, I really believe HEMA should be absent of this kind of stuff, right? It should, if it's in a large umbrella nonprofit organization, I feel like it's it's extremely wrong to just say something as such a blanket statement to say like, we're not gonna allow cops because right now cops are hated and you know, there's a lot of issues going on and we're all concerned and you know, cops should not be allowed in HEMA. Disagree vehemently, personally. I also think you know, discrimination of any kind particularly is, is problematic, it's a slippery slope. Who knows what group is next? What controls do we have over that process? I didn't know that that was, a, that was the thing um, I didn't know that the Heme Alliance was, was allowing that. I didn't know, you know, I don't know what, what we knew about it, what we didn't. So I sent out a couple emails saying, hey, what's up with this? They said, yeah, in fact, it is okay because apparently like profession is not a federally protected class, which is something I didn't know either, but whatever. So that's the case. And uh, we're gonna try and change our bylaws and stuff to make that happen. Well, there was some, some stuff I saw back and forth that led me to believe like maybe it wasn't gonna happen, but regardless, I'm, I'm out of here. I don't wanna be a part of that until they figure that out. You know? And then one of the members asked me like, if we figured out, if we fix it, would you still be a part of that board? And I'm like, sure, you know, no problem. So that's where we're at. Now, having said all that, what I'm, at, what I'm interested in is how do we feel about this kind of thing in terms of like discrimination and politics and cops even? And I was actually gonna name this episode like HEMA and cops, you know? But I decided, you know, just to go with HEMA and politics. But really, if we cut to the chase, like the issue is all the problems we've been having nationally with the idea of police being bigots and racists and this kind of stuff, abusing their authority, beating people up, acting aggressively, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that's, that's almost like a side issue. So for now, anybody have any thoughts about what I just talked about? And they're all looking at each other. <laughs> well, this is PJ. Um, I, I, I think that it's important that we all try to be as inclusive as possible. I, that's one thing I came, when I came into this club, to be totally honest, for a long time, I actually had a chip on my shoulder about police in general and about authority figures in general. But then I came to a certain type of philosophy where, and also I've met Aaron, I've met Chris, I've met Tim, there's, a, there's another uh, Anna and Ann, like we have a lot of police officers yeah, in, actually our, we do. I didn't think of that. in our club. And um, one thing I found is that these are amazing people who are trying to do good things. Now, personally, as far as a, a policeman's or a policewoman or, or a person of authority's position, 
I personally believe that sometimes they are forced into a situation where they might do something immoral mm. that's based on the law. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, yeah, putting someone in a cage for ingesting a plant or something like that. That's, that's not, I think that's immoral, personally. But at the same time, these people, are sometimes they pull uh, a family out of a burning car or they'll mm. put a threat down that could seriously injure another person. So to me, it's situation by situation. Just because someone's a police officer, that does not make them immoral or moral. What matters is the situation at the time and how they act and are they acting in the right or in the wrong. So, so one thing that I think has been great for me and expanding my consciousness and expanding my kind of uh, my position and also just meeting these people and showing them love and receiving love from them that has been like one of the most fulfilling parts of my journey in HEMA like that in particular because I had these negative feelings that were not totally justified and I, I haven't changed my philosophy but just because I don't change my philosophy, that doesn't mean, um, you know, that doesn't mean that I've, I've, just because I hang out with these people and I enjoy their company, mm. that doesn't mean that I have to change my philosophy, you know? Yeah. So I don't see why one is mutually exclusive. And then on the, on the flip side of it, this might sound kind of hotty toddy or something like that, but if you look at, and I'm not even a Christian, but if you look at Jesus, you know, he sat with the prostitutes. He sat with the sinners, you know what I mean? So if you want to make some kind of positive impact on someone's behavior or the way they live their life or their philosophy or something like that, you need to interact with these people. You need to talk to them and you need to come at them in an energy of, of love and, communi- and free communication. Otherwise, you're not going to change anyone's mind and it's just going to it's just going to be a continuous, vicious cycle of increased aggression. So that's, that's my first thought on it. Very good, PJ. Thank you for that. Anybody want to build on that? Maybe not to build on that, but just to go back to that kind of main topic of politics and HEMA. To me, HEMA martial arts in general it's a kind of a, a, a neutral ground of regardless of where you're coming from or who you are mm-hmm. or what you might value, some of that has to be put on hold or paused or at least not allowed to interfere with, with the, the idea of learning martial arts. Um, and I feel like one way or the other, people are caring too much when they shouldn't. You know, There's some people I've encountered in HEMA that outside of HEMA, we'd probably never be friends or even acquaintances. And that's kind of what it is. But we, we do this one thing together, and I hope no one's defined the entirety of their their personhood in HEMA, because uh, that has its own unhealthy consequences. So if you see this as what it is, as, as a recreation, as a historical study, as a martial art, there's a lot we all should be putting on the sidelines to function. Now, if it's bleeding over and that's infecting our behavior, the way we treat other people, I think that's kind of the, the situation that, that, that would have to be touched on and, and discussed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm withholding my my commentary on some of this stuff right now because I, I I'm really interested. And we honestly, like this group has never sat down and had a discussion like this. Because honestly, have we had to? We haven't had to. Like 
you know, PJ comes into the group and, uh, you know, I, I can just tell that he's a little bit more liberal minded than maybe some of the other members and such, you know, like, you know, Steven, we know his politics, right? Because he puts it out there. And it's one of those things where like, not if you're not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, the point is like, we don't, it doesn't come to that because we're busy talking about Meyer or we're busy talking about, you know, Hangen versus, you know, Vom Tog or, do you know what I mean? We're busy talking about like, how can we get better at whooping each other's butts? You know, it doesn't. It doesn't come up much, and I've never sat down and had, like, an explicit policy other than just saying to people, like, hey, you guys, like, you know, let's not talk about politics as things heat up or get crazy around us. You know, we've even had, like, protests happen right around our literal property that we practice at, and we've never had, like, okay, now let's uh, talk about, you know, Biden versus Trump or any of this stuff. We don't, we just don't do that. We don't encourage it because exactly for what you said, it's a neutral ground. It's a place where... We can turn that down, right? We can just simply enjoy each other's company in such a way that is not kind of generally uh, available to us in other in other ways in society. So it's it's a unique it's a unique place for us to be mentally and physically, so that we can just enjoy each other's company and practice this thing called martial arts. So, you know, as I look uniformly. Uh, nationally and also you know worldwide and i see all this hema stuff happen and it's like man it's just such a shame you know with some with some exceptions that i think we're going to have to talk about because we can't avoid it you know nazis and such right uh it's one of those things where it's like i i, I hate to see this happening yet it's entirely predictable because in every single martial art no matter who runs it or how it's run it happens it's an, an inevitable and unavoidable so I'm not surprised, and frankly, I'm, I'm shocked that it took this long for me to get embroiled in something like this, but go ahead. So this is Steve, and one thing I think that, you know, a kind of line that we can draw in this is there's the HEMA in practice in person, and then there's the HEMA on the social media. Because in practice in person, you know, I don't think I've ever been in a group around the group, even in the tournaments far away, near, far, wherever, you know, even people I've just met, that has had the kind of, uh, you know, the, just say the way it is in these various Facebook groups mm. that, I mean, or that's kind of the reference of this. That's where HEMA internationally happens. It doesn't happen person to person. It happens in, in digital social media. Mm. So there's a huge disparity in the you know what we do week to week in a club and with our you know friends here locally and then regionally and even nationally and then there's what happens in the the social media side of it and a lot of that comes down to you know well first off in person we actually have to fight each other or we do fight each other and that builds up a sense of camaraderie and that builds up a sense of trust Whereas on the internet, you just have another person out there and all you can, and you don't have to sort of be accountable for what you say versus what they say. And additionally, you know, you see certain groups, uh, certain people with a certain political persuasion or a certain political slant, they really have cornered the market in that and feel very entitled to be completely in control of the digital aspect and digital, you know, the way people talk online, 
all that kind of stuff. And they feel very entitled to enforcing their rules for mm. everybody. Yeah. And the reality is they're not held accountable to that yeah. because they don't even have to be particularly competent at the martial art to have any respect. They just have to, okay, they just have to have, you know, a big keyboard and friends with a moderator or whatever, and they can enforce their will. And if they have a, you know, that kind of thing, that's what you see. And, you know, it's always one of those funny things. The more active someone is on these various HEMA social pages, it's inversely proportional, usually to their skill in the actual art. So it's one of those things where you're like, okay, you know, if all they, if they're talking lots about sources, et cetera, yeah, usually that person's a little, you know, okay, that, that, that's what it's about. But if they're really into the political side of it, one way or the other, it's usually, okay, you can almost guarantee that they're, okay, it, sure, I'd like to enjoy, like, I'd like to spar that person sometimes, see what that, you know, how that goes, just because, I didn't mean to imply that way, but... Um, well, I know what you're saying, and honestly, Stephen... It's like, you, if you spend your effort, uh, yeah. you know, typing up long posts and whatever, rather than training, doing some push-ups, doing some flourishing... This, this all falls under the category of, like, might versus right, right? So, like, and, and let, me get, let, me, let me talk about, let me address what you just said, because okay. that is a very common thought process amongst martial artists. And... I have such a strange relationship with that idea because on the one hand, I, I feel like that is true, okay? So on the one hand, I feel like it does seem to me that there are a lot of people who are super vocal and pushing the politic angle that when you see them physically represent themselves, they are not very impressive. So you wonder, is, is the one thing a compensation for the other? At the same time, it's important that sometimes some of these people that are very physically unimpressive but still do a lot of research and are, you know, are, are connecting the dots on a lot of historical sources and doing a lot of work to, to post things that are available to everyone and things. That's, that's an important aspect of what we're doing. So in a way, like HEMA is a very unique type of martial art because we don't have one controlling body that controls everybody. We don't have one like, you know, unifying body that says like, all right, you're wrong and you're right. You know what I mean? Like everybody can be right and everybody can be wrong kind of thing all at once. Yet at the same time, we have people such as myself who have been doing it for a long time and have been through cycle after cycle after cycle of, of thought processes about different types of techniques and also different types of political machinations of how we're trying to make this thing run to see that here are some failings and these are the things we're seeing happen again and again. So it's, it's one of those things where like from somebody in my position... Like, I totally get that, that aspect of that whole thing. And it frustrates me, frankly, quite a bit because so I'm, on, I'm supposedly on this high tier level of this council in the Hema Alliance and I put something out on the Hema Alliance uh, Facebook page and then all of a sudden some moderator who has a, a modicum of my experience and ability, frankly, uh, censors me. And I sent that person a message saying, Look, you know, I see that you censored me, and, and she had the, the, the ability to, to say to me, look, I censored you, and this is why, and I'm like, fine, but what's my recourse now? Because I don't believe I should be censored, and I believe this should be open so that everyone can discuss it 
and see, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You know, the, the reason is the reason why I'm saying this is to bring it to everyone's attention and say, I think this is wrong. Let's talk about it. Maybe I'm incorrect. I don't know. Let's let's try and figure this out as a community. But to shut something down from somebody who's on this grand council and supposedly has all this uh, experience and and uh, is invited to be involved at that level, I don't think I should be censored, you know, by somebody who is way junior than me in experience and training and ability. So it's frustrating. So, I mean, this is the like the what you know your exact experience here is a natural outworking of the slow failure of the narrative that these folks were trying to enact upon everybody so they wouldn't have to censor and you actually you see this across social media right now you see it with you know all the big 3 the the YouTubes, the Facebook, the Twitter, you see it with the election, uh, mainly very specific things related to the election information that is, you know, should have, we should be having a national conversation about a lot of this information, but these social media groups are actively censoring and removing, and, you know, they're censoring, you know, national papers like the New York Post and things like that. And the reason you're seeing them censor it is because their narrative is crumbling, because they wouldn't need to censor you if the you know if their if their perspective and narrative was so natural and obvious mm-hmm. so in your case you wanting to have that discussion where almost any other person who you know oh i i found this group discriminating against this group of people etc that very likely would have been permitted to continue yeah at least in my opinion based on the well, political leanings. Playing devil's journey. advocate for the situation and seeing some of these other conversations that happen on the Heme Alliance thing, I can see, I can see the concern. It's just that it hadn't happened yet. Uh, the vindictiveness and the personal slandering and this kind of stuff. Like it was probably going to happen, but on this particular thread, it was like four or five comments in, and all of a sudden they shut the thing down. And I'm like, okay, look. Here, here's the thing. We have, we have a club that is HEMA Alliance affiliated who puts the HEMA Alliance logo next to a statement such as that, a discriminatory statement against a group of people. Uh, regardless of that group of people's like in, unpopularity currently, and we are entirely unpopular, okay? And I can talk about that in just a second. But we are entirely unpopular cops I'm talking about law enforcement in America. And that's not right, you know? What if it's the Jews? What if it's, you know, the Christians? What if it's somebody who's next that's super unpopular for whatever reason, you know? The the HEMA Alliance, a nonprofit umbrella organization representing HEMA globally should not involve itself in that. And the, and the issue, the reason why I had to put it on my page and had to comment on it is because I'm directly connected to this organization as one of its controlling board members. So I, I'm saying to myself, like, oh, crap, like, I didn't know this was a thing. And when I found out it was a thing, yeah, I did panic a little bit and say, like, oh, I got to disassociate myself from this immediately. 
because, you know, I don't know if my employer is going to look at that and say, like, you're discriminating against your fellows like that. We can't have that. We don't trust you anymore. You know, um, that might directly in, in impact my employment and such. Um, and, and frankly, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I have been involved in law enforcement for almost 27 years. So I have gone through the pendulum being like everyone's hero, like I could do no wrong, you know, all the way to like, oh, I'm the villain and I'm, I'm a hypocritical uh, Nazi, you know. So it's like I have, I have rode that roller coaster for all these years. I am not going to get fired in the last year or two of my employment over some kind of issue of HEMA-related things, which I have been so passionate and in love with for half my life. Even having gone through some personal hardships and things regarding HEMA, where I myself was a victim of certain things that have been talked about regarding ARMA and other organizations and things, you know, I've went through hell too. But my passion for the craft and the art has survived and remained, and I'm, I'm trying to bring it forth in, in a positive and inclusive way as I can, you know. Um, I don't want to see it die ever. I want to see it continue to live in the hearts of everyone at this table and everyone that comes in through the doors of the WHFA. And it's one of those things where I'm not going to see, I'm not going to stand for it to be destroyed in this way and become this discriminatory, politicky kind of, you know, wasteland. I'm sorry. You know, I'm just not going to stand for it. And I'll go down, I'll go down swinging. And that's what I've elected to do. There are some people that I respect and trust who said to me they thought I acted a little quickly and that I should have probably, you know, hung on and, and helped to pass the new bylaws and stuff. And, and I, I think that's a valid point and it's a valid criticism of, of how I handled it. Um, I, I resist the idea that I acted completely emotionally. I just recognize that, that this is a policy that this club that I'm a part of, in fact, a controlling part of apparently, has. I didn't know that. I need to distance myself immediately. If they fix it and they want me back, fine. But until that happens, I can't be a part of that. You need to understand too that you know law enforcement is under attack in many different ways, um, some of which are entirely justified and entirely, entirely understandable. But at the same time, it's one of those things where like my bosses you know, are very concerned about involvement of their officers involved in any kind of craziness. You know, like We just really gotta watch our P's and Q's, try and regain the trust of the public Personally, I mean, I'll tell you guys quickly about my first day on the job as a 19-year-old cop in the township in which I grew up in, right? So I started my career in a, in a town called Combine Locks. Combine Locks no longer has a police department. It's a small village. Um, I was hired there by a chief who, who said I was way too young, but he was going to hire me anyways. Um, so he hired me at 19. My parents had to buy my gun for me. I could not buy it because uh, you have to be 21. <laughs> So my parents had to buy my gun. Um, my first shift was a midnight shift. Well, I went through some training, right? It was like a, a week and a half process with a, with a sergeant. It was a very nice man, sergeant running, very nice man. Tried to help me as best he could, but it was a week of, of training, right? Or so, maybe a little bit longer, but it was about that. Um, one of my first shifts, you know, I walk into the office, the chief's there to meet me and I'm gonna work a night shift by myself. I'm 19, I'm gonna work overnight, like all through the night. Hands me a flashlight and the, uh, the, the manual for the, for the police department, which is like 500 pages long. And he's like, good luck, you know, don't get shot. <laughs> um, and that's, that's kind of my introduction to law enforcement. Well, right after, and I, I took my, the squad car, dropped him off at his home, and then was on duty, right? Called on duty with accounting over the radio. Well, I went right back to the police department and puked my brains out. Puked, 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 puked. 
Because I was so nervous and scared that I was going to violate someone's rights, that I was going to fuck up the job and get fired or something. Like all I felt was this giant weight of responsibility and caution, you know? I didn't feel like, oh, I'm going to go around and, you know, I get to do whatever I want in this town. This is my town now and everyone better look out. I didn't feel that at all. And frankly, I never felt that way. Even at a 27-year veteran sergeant, you know, having done everything in police work, SWAT, field training, gangs and drugs, all that stuff. I do not feel that way now. I, and frankly, I don't know many that do. There are a few, right? But they get found out. But it's like we are an extension of the community we serve. And when we go outside of that, that relationship, we are held to severe account. You know, that's, this is the only thing I've ever done in my entire life professionally, besides side hustles and things I've done, right? But the only thing I've ever done my entire adult life, separate from the military, which I did concurrently. But the point is, like, this is all I know. This is my entire breadth of my education. So if something would have happened with my career, I, you know, I don't know what I do next. You know, who knows? You know, I'm like, I'm a really good shot. You know, does that help me to, to get, get hired somewhere else? You know, at some business or something? Like, I can shoot, you know, the fly off your head at 50 yards. You know, they're like, great. You know, what a psycho. You know, get out of here. So, you know, the point is, like, a lot of these folks that are in law enforcement, that's their calling. It's not something that you just decide willy-nilly to do. The money's not awesome. The, the hours suck. I sometimes barely know my family. You know, I work every holiday and weekends. You know, it's, it's a long slog. It's not easy. We deal with the worst of the worst many times um, for years and years and years. And it's just one of those things that, you know, you do because you, you care. You know, we care mostly. And I can't speak for everybody, but that's the problem with generalizations, like generalizing a group of people, you know, it's wrong. So go ahead, PJ. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that, cause I, I saw some of the posts and some people were, were being, there was a vitriolic response to your initial kind of bringing up of this issue. And I just was like, man, I can't believe these people are talking like that. But then I was like, oh, yeah, they're over the Internet, though, so they can say whatever they want. And, you know, you can't really have any recourse, you know. And that's, that's the other thing is, is I don't think people realize, like, the responsibility that you have, like, and the relationships. That's, like, the big thing here is that this club has a relationship with HEMA Alliance. If, if they are, like, a member, I, I haven't done the research myself on it, but you're saying that they're a member, and then you're a member of the HEMA Alliance. I mean, there's obviously a reason and there's a impetus for you to go go after this issue and 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 bring this to everyone's attention so i just think it's like incredible that people don't understand those relationships that are going on i mean it's to me it's very obvious even though you might have a different opinion you know or or so, you know someone might agree with oh yeah well it's okay to, to not not include cops because of yada 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 whatever right. whatever whatever reason but then to not understand that you, Aaron Pinnenberg, a police officer who's a, a, a council member of this organization that has this relationship with this other organization, there, there's a reason for, for, your, mm -hmm. for your reaction and for bringing this up into the community. So, and it's very obvious, and I wish people would, would look at that and look at the responsibilities that you have. So. Well, and, and frankly, and thank you for that, but frankly, it's like, you know, you... you you do this and you know there's going to be consequences. 
right? So I knew full well this is going to happen. And you guys know I'm not a saint, right? I've never held myself to like a standard above anybody in the club per se as a person. Like I never said I'm more moral because I'm a cop and so therefore I know everything morally. Yeah, I make mistakes. I have made mistakes. I'm, you know, you guys have, have, have been very privy to those mistakes and, and know about them. It's not something I try and hide or exclude from the, the conversation or the overall you know, viewpoint of me. I have many friends who have, who have done this kind of stuff for a while who are in kind of the same position as I am, like done it for some years, who lead clubs and things. And they always say to me like, oh, you're way too close to your people. You know, you have way, way too many friendships with them and stuff. You let them know way too much about you. And I, I resist that because I'm like, you know, we, we need to fight this idea of like this, this person on the mountaintop who's dispensing this knowledge to people that are, that are less than them. And, and, and they're the person who's going to provide all the, the answers to life and all this, you know, the, that kind of imagery in martial arts. It's, it's not the case. Yeah, right. You don't need to come in and bow down to me and, you know, provide me with, with sacrifices and crap. You know, this, this idea, <laughs> this idea needs to be fought against. And, you know, and frankly, in, in some of the things we've been doing here locally in our chapters and stuff and in trying to establish the master idea, the idea of a master rank and stuff has really had a direct relationship to this, the fighting of these ideas. You know, historically we research um, what masters were and many of us have met that criteria many of us and as i look and you know i always say this as an analogy but it takes for a minute to explain but there's a commercial where it's a bunch of football players uh from like the 1920s and and people and there's a, a modern commentator that's reflecting on the 1920s and the modern commentator is like yeah, back in the day when like Curly Lambeau and so and so, they were such you know great athletes and this kind of stuff. And they show these guys, and they they look like children, right? And they're wearing these little leather helmets, and they're prancing around and playing games, and and they're not you know they're not very athletic at all. And then all of a sudden, like a modern football team comes in, and these these men are like giants, and they're in pads, and they have modern techniques and ideas and athleticism. And they, they're like, and now we're going to match up the, you know, 19, 1990 Packers with the 1920 Packers. And they just get crushed. Like, it's like a bunch of adults throwing around children, you know. And people are like, oh, my gosh, you know. Like, so in the back of my head, I keep thinking, like, I, ca I can't help but wonder. I'm sure these, these men knew what they were doing. And I'm sure, you know, they were very skilled and stuff. But in the back of my head, I can't. I can't help but think, like, is it kind of like that? Like, if we put Dan Rollins against Joachim Meyer, you know, what would happen? What would happen? I don't know. Have you ever seen Dan fight with a longsword? It's amazing, you know? And, and so this is the kind of idea I have in the back of my head sometimes. I mean, yeah. You... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do hearken back to, you know, the older athletes to the new. And that's, I know sports has a, you know, a continuous discussion about that because like, oh, how would the, you know, Babe Ruth be against right. a modern pitcher? Like, you know, uh, I don't know, pick one, you know, I can none of come to mind at the moment, but like, that's, you know, that's the question. Could our, could the, the greats of history compete with the greats of today? Uh, but then also you look at what, you know, the greats of history did in compared to what the people of today do. Right. And you're like, okay, well, the greats of today, 
you know, built entire structures out of, you know, yeah, hand, hand, with hand, their hands. hand carved rock. Yeah. And right, so, right. <laughs> like, okay, well, right. you know, maybe these people weren't as, you know, weak and limpy as we think they were just because well, of the videos. I mean, and let's keep that, okay, because we can keep on. But, you know, tempering this, this idea in my head is when I met some Amish folks. And there are actually a group of Amish women who showed up at one of my presentations uh, at an Albion event in New Glarus. And these, these women, you know, they were in the background of the crowd and they were very interested in what was going on. So they waited to the crowd to dissipate and then they came forward and they're like, uh, you know, do you mind if we touch some of these swords? And they were very, they wanted to engage, but you could tell they were very, uh, you know, calm about it and, and they didn't want to draw a lot of attention to themselves. And, you know, a lot of them are covered in garments that cover up a lot of their body. You can't see their, their, their physicality. And I handed a sword to one of the women and she grabbed it. And I am telling you guys, the structure of her freaking forearm and wrist. Dude, I am telling you, I was, I was intimidated. I was intimidated. Yes, she was, she was beyond like a farm woman. She was like, I, I swear she could crush me with her hand. And I remember looking at my own body, I'm like so doughy, you know, in comparison. I'm like, I'm like a powder puff compared to this woman who is handling, and she just grabbed the sword and her and her companion were kind of playing around, but they were doing so, it was like whack, 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 you know? It was so freaking hard and so physical. I just thought to myself like, holy shit. Yeah, I've, I've heard uh, a friend of mine has he has the ring, uh, wedding ring from his a grandfather or great grandfather, and you know he's not he's a, a slightly bigger than average guy, you know six foot ish, two hundred pounds range. But his father, his great grandfather's grandfather's wedding ring, when they went to size it, it fell off the largest size they'd had because the man's hands were so big from working yeah. that type of lifestyle for his whole life, and so. You know, you do think, okay, well, you know, these old folks had, oh, they're, you know, it's, you know, uh, uh, skinny legs Joe and the, yeah, doing right. the 23, 23 skidoo, whatever. But yeah. the <laughs> are, uh, there's a level of physicality, you know, that's right. the, the uphill both ways, 10 miles in the snow yeah. wasn't necessarily inaccurate. So, right. yeah. What do you think, Larry? You're our, uh, you are, um, I'm listening. Personal connection <laughs> to the farm and such. I'm just enjoying the conversation. Larry's one of those guys where, like, he calls me and we have these conversations that blow my mind. And then I try to get him on on this thing to record what he what he says to me sometimes, and he's just like completely silent. And it drives me bananas. But but I totally understand. You know, doing a podcast sometimes can be very difficult because all of a sudden you're like under the gun, and there's a there's a timer and whatnot. But uh, anyways, um, so well, let's let's just I suppose angle this just a bit. Let's try to narrow this down just a tad. And what I want to tell the human community, I suppose, in a way, is that I understand that there are many people out there who have been victimized and, and downcast and had not have a seat at the table um, for, for many, many years, for decades. I'm talking about minorities. I'm talking about gay people. I'm talking about lesbian people. I'm talking about transgender people. Um, tra all the people, all the classifications of people that we have. I get that it must feel very bad to be involved in that. And you know what? I want to just talk about for a moment. I want to talk about 
something that happened to me that that I think gave me a small window into this. Certainly, I have no idea what it's like to be a minority or some of those, those persons who have been victimized like this. But I'll tell you this. So all this stuff goes on nationally, right? We have protests here in Appleton that happen. And, um, you know, I, I have never, I have never uh, hurt anybody or, you know, used my, my badge to, to beat anybody up who's a minority or something like that. I've never been accused of any kind of misconduct in office. I've never had any of that kind of stuff go on. Um, any use of force incidents I've been involved in have been mitigated as best I'm able uh, to use minimum of force. Uh, despite our training, by the way, which always teaches us to use maximum force, and I'll address that at some other point, but uh, which, by the way, I am working to try and fix. Um, uh, so anyways, um, so what happens is I'm involved in this protest, and I'm surrounded by a group of about 500 people, and they absolutely hate me in that moment. I have, I have seen hatred before. But I have never seen it to an extent like that where they're all strangers. They're all surrounding me, shouting things at me, um, terrible things. Um, and I felt extremely uh, scared and angry at the same time because I recognize that they have no idea who I am. They hate me for no other reason other than what I am and what I'm wearing and what I represent. And I remember thinking to myself like, boy, that, that it's a really bad feeling. And then talking to a friend of mine who's a minority, he's like, yeah, and you get to take that thing off, meaning my uniform, you know? You get to take that off and walk around and no one's looking at you that way. He's like, when I walk around in my skin, he's a black man, he's, when I walk around in my skin, there are many people who I cannot help but see are looking at me in these ways. And that, that sunk in, because that, I had that personal experience of l people looking at me in that way and, and saying those things and hating me just for me you know, wearing this uniform. And I thought to myself, like, okay, I, I kind of I get where the anger comes from, because I felt very angry about how I was being looked at. You know? And I remember thinking about that. And I can't imagine what that must be like growing up with that having that as part of your psyche as you develop as a person, um, I'm sure that's super hard, you know, especially if you're in the slums or something, you've got no educational opportunity. Um, it must be terrifying. Right. So taking that and kind of flipping into that club, that group, uh, you know, maybe, you know, the reasoning behind why they want to not include cops, why anybody doesn't want to include anybody who isn't, you know, felon or, you know, but then it comes back to like, okay, we all carry those things around. We, we all have those more to a greater extent than others. But how do we come together in, in this type of art and put that on the sideline? And that's the hard thing is that some people are carrying much heavier burdens, not just being minorities, even within minority groups, even within non-minority groups, what have you. We're all carrying more. Um, and the reason I, I want to speak up and I commented on this was there's that yeah. being thrown out there of trauma and I think it's professional, and I will say this professionally, that term gets overused and is used as a defense to dismiss um, certain actions or thoughts. Um, it's concerning, and I can talk forever about this, about just people throwing it out there, well, I got triggered, I'm triggered if there's a cop by me. 
there's a difference between someone saying, well, I'm a cop, and someone who's in full gear stopping you. That, those are very different triggering events, and I can't speak for anybody as far as their trauma and what their triggers are, but professionally, professionally saying that just saying someone coming up to me saying they're a cop, if that's triggering you, that's a, that's a very big concern that you should be getting professional help. And when a club says that they're taking on that role in some pseudo way of professionally working with people while including HEMA, that's concerning um, if there's not a professional on board. There's, there's definitely, I mean, I go back to like with, um, there's uh, professionals uh, with group therapy who use D&D to work through people's trauma. Mm. That's professional using a tool in a way it's not meant to be used. But when people are saying, well, we're trying to be inclusive, we want these certain groups to be here, we want them to be feel safe, so we're excluding certain other people um, without some type of merit, that's concerning that, okay, well, you're, you're making a space for them, but how are you helping them? Or how are you encouraging them to get help so that they can be included or that the, the wider HEMA community can be included in that? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So in other words, like creating that environment without the guidance to try and get past these triggers and deal with these triggers is more damaging in a way, right? Right. It is, and, I, and there's been study after study with that with trigger warnings and you know uh, safe spaces is that they've been overused in society and that the people that are meant for people with a diagnosis of trauma or PTSD, uh, those people, those trigger warnings, those, those safe spaces are not beneficial and it does reinforce uh, victimhood because when something bad happens to us, when there's trauma that happens, the way people overcome that, the way people are resilient to that is when they don't see themselves as a victim. Mm -hmm. That it wasn't that it was done to me or I allowed it to happen. It was something that happened that doesn't define me. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when, when certain groups take this and through good and wholesome purpose want to help these people and help anybody sometimes it can just reinforce that, that victim mentality and that, that's not healthy yeah so um i didn't know i had ptsd like i didn't know i i never would have classed myself as a person that suffers from ptsd bunch of stuff happens in my personal life and our current chief makes us go to see a counselor at least once every six months like you must so like cops always avoid you know counselors and such because they i don't know they're going to sideline us or something we just don't want to deal with that because um, we want to be out there on the front lines like that's where we want to be that's where we're passionate about and it's sometimes ego driven sure but that's like where we want to be at the tip of the spear you know we want to be out there protecting people as much as we can so any anything that takes us off of that we fight against well, lo and behold, they're like, yep, you know, we, we have all these things that are going on. We talked to you for a while. You're suffering from this. And, and I'm like, I don't believe them. Like, I, I, I'm like, I disagree. I'm not, I'm not damaged. I'm not hurt. And they're like, well, you know, you don't have to use those terms. There's all these other things that are happening that you probably don't even recognize. And then examining my life over the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, I suddenly realized like, oh, crap, all the stuff they're talking about kind of makes sense to me now from that perspective. So now having identified this thing, I'm like, ah, shit, you know, maybe I do have some of this stuff that I got to deal with. Um, but making that realization has helped me identify things that I can work on as a human being, you know, and that's important. But if you constantly avoid those things and then like insulate yourself from those realizations, I can see how you would never improve and only get worse, right? Right. Because every moment is going to be worse then if you're not at least acknowledging some of these things that are challenging you and then things that you can identify to improve upon. 
So that's, I reached out, you know, this rogue, and I'm not going to use her name because I don't want to get involved in any of that kind of stuff. But this rogue fencer person that runs that thing uh, got a hold of me today on the messenger and had a big explanation. And, you know, I have to give her credit because at no time did I feel during this exchange with this person that I was under personal attack, you know. She spent a long time laying out, like, the reasons why they had that policy and the and the specifics surrounding the rationale behind it and things like that. And I ultimately said, like, look, all that makes sense. Like, I'm not trying to say that uh, you're an evil person and you're doing this intentionally to hurt people and stuff like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I disagree with that idea and I cannot be related to some organization that's going to support that. It's just, it just goes against what I believe is, is right. And then I was talking about that scenario with a friend and the friend was like, well, yeah, but what about Nazis? What about, you know, people who are uh, having something that you don't agree with in your club? Are you going to just go let them join the club? And I'm like, well, no, that's a different thing. But I have trouble articulating why it's so different. Right. Well, I think it comes down to there's a difference between behavior and the way you behave in a martial art or, you know, on the floor as opposed to what you carry at home. Because, you know, you know the thing was the reverse of this. You know, LGBT people were kicked out and not included just because they're LGBT people or a minority and they weren't allowed to participate in certain things not that long ago uh, solely because of that, even though it had no bearing on their job or their functioning or their ability. So you kind of see the flip of that. If someone comes in and you're a cop and you, you come up with that cop mentality and you're you know, bossing people around or you're thinking you're, you're just you know, hot shit for lack of a better term. <laughs> no, that's not okay. Regardless of your cop, regardless of why you're coming in there. You know, just like if you're coming in with anything, if you're coming, you're heterosexual and you come in and you're, you're constantly making snide comments or you're making jokes that are you know, offensive to certain groups. No, that's not okay. But if you want to do that at home, if you do it outside of the club, that's fine. If you're going to do it around clubs or around events or, you know, one club activities, then, then that's not acceptable. And that's, again, putting this kind of on a, on a neutral ground that this is something that's outside of someone's normal. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I also struggle sometimes because uh, I also had a interaction with a newer fencer of one of our uh, affiliated clubs, right? And for people who don't know, the WHFA is run very loosely. And by very loosely, I mean I have no control whatsoever over the other organization or the other WHFA chapters to include like the Racine chapter under James Riley, the West Bend chapter under uh, Jeremiah Bachhaus, the Lacrosse chapter under... Uh, and frankly, I, I think the uh, uh, Scott and Chad um, run those, right? But I don't tell those guys what to do, you know. However, <laughs> during this situation, I had posted, and honestly, it was a mistake in a way because of how bad I am with all these electronic stuff. But I meant to post this statement essentially to say all, to all WHFA clubs, and I thought I was doing it on my main WHFA page but it ended up going directly to lacrosse's page. So they felt threatened, reasonably so now, I understand. Reasonably so, because I posted it just to their page. What basically said like, no club can have this as part of their thing. Like no one's gonna create policies to exclude certain, certain professional groups. Not gonna happen. And then one of their like brand new fencers, somebody I don't know, he doesn't know me or anything like that, went on there and was like, hey, toughen up, buttercup. Nobody likes cops. You suck kind of thing. And I was triggered myself, you know, and I'm like, you're not going to do that to me, bro, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, call me immediately, right? 
And uh, this person calls me and immediately is defensive. I'm also defensive. We get in this big verbal spiel where I end up hanging up on the guy. Um, and then I talk to Scott and Chad, and I'm like, this cannot happen. You know, that guy's not wearing my patch. Who do you think you are? Kind of attitude. And, you know, in some ways, I feel bad about how it happened. But at the same time, now I'm stuck with this thing where, like, you know, the WHFA is something that I value. It's something that I have created. It's something that I have fostered. You know, we have a very good reputation amongst the practitioners in the world. Uh, we've, you know, we've traveled the world and we've fought and we, you know, we, we try and do what we can. And I feel like, dang it, you cannot talk to me that way. You know, that's disrespectful in a way, not of me, Aaron Pennerberg, but as the WHFA and what we have all strived to like, it's like representing all the sweat and blood and toil that all you guys put into this. And then some new person who doesn't really know anything is like, fuck you, man. You know, it's like, ah, that doesn't sit well with me. And I have, I have a duality of thoughts about how to deal with it, you know? Go ahead, PJ. Yeah, so I think one thing that's really important is just like the idea of, like these are just free associations. Yeah. And then we create these social norms and we create a contract. And I mean, mm -hmm. we even have bylaws and things like that, that, that you guys basically wrote up like a... Uh, the charter, you mean? Yeah, a yeah. charter, you know? And if you can't act within that charter, unfortunately your behavior is excluding you're excluding yourself through your you know abnormal behavior or your your offensive behavior you know yeah. and then at that point you're not welcome but hey if you want to get right and you want to have fun you want to learn this art you know you want to practice with a bunch of amazing people you know come along and and let's have some fun and let's let's learn and let's you know yeah. become physical physically fit and, and and practice this art you know and that's the thing that's that's really too bad it's like guys just look at the charter look at our you know talk to your uh to your fellow students and uh your fellow scholars and you know let's let's get on the same page and not offend each other yeah you know have compassion for each other yeah and um you know and and work together and basically have some fun you know that's well said bj you want to add something at the end? I can always add something. Um, <laughs> well, it, again, it harkens back to that politically. You said you used the word offensive, offensive behavior. How do you define that? You know, I, yeah. go, I go back to like Rawls' uh, veil of ignorance is that if you put a veil on somebody, you have no idea who they are, what they are, and you have no idea who you are, what you are. What are the rules? What are the most basic fundamental things to, to function? And when someone says, well, you're a cop, well, you don't know that they're a cop. But secondly, you know, a cop, your behavior changes. Well, that says something about your evaluation of that person. Just like if someone comes to that door and you don't know if they're a black, white, uh, transgender, cis, regardless, there should be a fundamental, basic way of approaching and engaging. And if that can't be followed, then that's definitely grounds to remove people. But that should be in just in the context of the club. I don't think, because it's a real slippery slope to start going, well, if you do anything outside of this activity. Now, if you're a paid professional, or this is a job, and there's different things to include in that that's that's different but again by and large this is a hobby is something we enjoy uh as it is and what it is and so it's just what we are and what we who we be and behave in that context that should matter yes very good well we're gonna wrap this up we're almost uh, at an hour goes fast doesn't it it's, it's surprising fast, yeah uh the bottom line is you know rogue fencing 
we wish you the best. Um, I don't hate anybody involved in that. I don't know anybody involved in that, really, except for the main person, I suppose. And I, I don't really know if I've met that person or not. I think I have, but I don't remember, really, specifically. Uh, I know that we've had some things online. In fact, uh, I looked at my messenger history when we were messaging, and I noticed some time ago, apparently I got wind that uh, there was some tournament they were running that didn't allow cops or something. And I sent a message to that person saying, hey, you have a tournament, you're not allowing cops or something, but they never replied. And so I must have forgotten about it or got distracted or something. So it's one of those things where I had some wind that something was going on, but I never followed up on it or whatever. So um, I don't really know, but um, it's interesting. Here, see, so the... It's interesting how this stuff goes on, but, you know, so there's, and I'm showing these guys the thing. Um, so October 29th, I don't know why that was. October 29th, but I don't know what year. It wasn't this year. Do you know how to bring up that date? No. Uh, thing see I never know stuff sorry for swearing <laughs> but anyways this was probably a year ago or maybe two years ago and I said though hello there in Pennerberg here it's been brought to my attention that you folks are holding a tournament of some type but not allowing cops can you provide any clarification on this issue never had any message uh, oh then said thanks for messaging us we try to be as responsive as possible we'll get back to you soon and then there was no reply and then um, now, that, and that was like, I must have been a couple of years ago or something. But anyways, then there's this response that, what, that goes on for several paragraphs. And then I just basically said like, I understand, I don't blame you for the HEMA's policies. I don't agree with you, but I'd like to, you to know I understand it. I just couldn't be associated nor condone this policy. But I acknowledge your club's right to have it. I wish you and your students the best in these tough times. And I also said, I'd also like to say, if you ever just want to talk about any of this stuff, no agenda, just discussion, I'd be interested. And I received no reply. But, you know, it is what it is. So, listen, there's going to be drama, there's going to be politics, and, and you just try and navigate it as best you can. And I appreciate you guys uh, being involved in this. Uh, my last episode, episode 18, regarding uh, crabby students and stuff, got a ton of of requests to discuss and things. And so I've had many discussions about it. If I didn't get to you yet regarding your specific question and uh, wanting to discuss this, I will eventually. I'm working my way through. I had about 45 requests. So I'm, I'm working my way through as best I can. But you know, those things are a dynamic as well that you have to deal with as far as you know, students and their behavior and whatnot and how you try and address it. So that's that. All right, guys. Have fun, fight hard. See you later. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Yep. Thank you.